Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. there. I'm Cindy Linden, and this is the Cook Along Podcast. We're going to make a main dish today. We're going to make something called white chicken lasagna. And this is my adaptation of 12 Tomatoes adaptation of a recipe from Natasha's Kitchen. It's got a lot of ingredients. Don't let that scare you. It's got several steps. The steps are really pretty easy. It's just that there are several of them. And you can do this. There are a number of do-aheads, and I will go through those with you in a minute. But let's start by talking about the ingredients. I'll give you the whole stinking list, and it's not small. Don't panic. Stay with me. We're going to be okay. To start with, you need nine lasagna noodles. That is probably not going to be a whole box. It's just the way of the world. You're going to find your boxes probably in one pound packages. You're probably going to use half of the package. And then you'll have to use the other half later. And that's okay. I can put up another lasagna recipe, a more traditional one at some point. This one is just fun because it's completely non-traditional, which is why I've decided to do it with you today, just because it's different. I know you can buy oven-ready lasagna noodles, which means you don't have to boil them first. I think you can try that if you are really determined to skip the step of boiling the noodles. My experience with them has been that you just can't really tell what you're going to get. Sometimes they're still a little harder than you want them to be once the lasagna is done. And I've not used those noodles with this recipe, so I don't know if there's enough liquid you know, you have to use a little extra liquid so that those noodles will get soft. And I don't know what that would look like. So I'm just telling you, if you want to use the oven ready kind, you're on your own in terms of experimenting with how to change the liquid amounts around. I'm just using the traditional plain old gotta cook it in a pot lasagna noodles. You need four cups of chicken that has been cooked already and shredded. 
Now I'm going to shred it with you today in case you've never done that before, but it should already be cooked. And I suggest chicken breast because it's a little less fatty. And how you estimate four cups is anybody's guess. Probably two really big Costco-sized chicken breasts or maybe three ordinary chicken breasts. Then you'll need a tablespoon of olive oil, an onion, probably a medium large-ish onion. It's awfully hard to describe that, but I would say at least tennis ball size. You want a half a stick of butter, that's four tablespoons, a third of a cup of flour, three cups of chicken broth, a cup of heavy whipping cream. You'll need some fresh spinach, five ounces of fresh spinach. Now, there are packages you can get at your grocery store that will come in the size of five ounces, and that's your easiest way to figure out how much you need. You need a teaspoon and a half of salt, a half a teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, or ordinary pepper, really, and you need four cloves of garlic. You need an eighth of a teaspoon of ground nutmeg. I know it sounds a little weird, but it gives it a nice warmth and sort of a mysterious flavor that people won't hopefully be able to specifically call out and identify. And then this gets a little complex. I'm using two teaspoons today of something made by Penzi's Spices called Tuscan Sunset. If you have some of that or can get your hands on some of that, it will make this a lot easier. But I'm going to give you the list of stuff I want you to find if you don't have access to that Penzi's Tuscan Sunset Spice. If you don't have that, use a half teaspoon of basil, a quarter of a teaspoon of oregano, a quarter of a teaspoon of thyme, a quarter of a teaspoon ground fennel, an eighth of a teaspoon of black pepper, a quarter of a teaspoon of anise seed, and that can be ground or whole. It's stronger if it's ground a quarter of a teaspoon of garlic powder, and an eighth of a teaspoon of crushed red pepper flakes. I know that's a lot, and that's why I say that the Tuscan Sunset from Penzi's is the easiest way to do this. The ingredients aren't exactly the same, but they're as close as I could guesstimate. You can find the full list of ingredients, including this list of spices, extra spices, before you start cooking on the cookalongpodcast.com website. Type white chicken or even just chicken into the search bar and it will come up. The rest of the ingredients, yes, there are more. A 15-ounce container of ricotta, one large egg, some fresh parsley. When it's chopped up, you're going to want two to three tablespoons. A quarter of a cup of grated Parmesan cheese and three cups of shredded mozzarella. Equipment-wise, you're going to need a large pot in which to cook your pasta and a 9 by 13 inch pan to put the lasagna in. That's sort of what lasagna goes in. So if you don't have one of those in your house, you should. A large saucepan, a way to chop up your spinach, a bowl, a large bowl to put your ricotta mixture in, some foil to cover your 9 by 13 inch pan with, and a couple of forks to shred your chicken. Now at this point, I can hear that you're starting to panic. Please be calm. Take a nice deep breath. 
there you go. Do it again if you need to. We're going to be all right. We're going to go step by step. Here are your do-aheads. Start by preheating your oven to 375. And then set a large pot of water on your stove and turn it up to high so it can boil. That's what we're going to put the pasta in. If you haven't already done so, cook your chicken and get your ingredients out. It'll be easier if things are out and ready for you. And I will tell you, here's a way to divide this. It'll make it maybe a little easier. So the first things we're going to do are the lasagna noodles. We're just going to cook them according to the package directions. That's kind of a do ahead as well. That's why you're heating up that pot of water. And while they're cooking, we're going to do something else. Unlike your traditional lasagna, which has a red sauce, of course, we're going to make a white sauce. We're going to call it spinach sauce because that's what the original recipe says. And so the first things we're going to do are deal with the lasagna noodles and the chicken. And then while the lasagna noodles are cooking, these are the ingredients it would be helpful for you to set out before you start cooking your noodles. Okay, the olive oil, the onion, the butter, the flour, the chicken broth, the heavy cream, the spinach, the salt, the ground pepper, and the cloves of garlic. In a separate pile, you can do this later if you want. This will go in a next step, which is the ricotta sauce, because we do still have to layer things. That's how you make a lasagna. You put, well, you probably know this. You put layers of noodles and then layers of meat sauce or whatever sauce, and then layers of ricotta mixture and then layers of mozzarella, and then you start over. So we're doing a very similar thing here. It's still a lasagna. So we have to make not just what's replacing the tomato sauce, but also the traditional ricotta sauce. And this is a fairly traditional ricotta sauce. So in a separate pile, what I'm trying to say is that gets the ricotta, the egg, the parsley, the parmesan, and the mozzarella. So it's kind of three steps we're going to work through. At this point, if you need to, you can go away and set your pot of cold water on the stove to heat up, turn it on to high. If you have a lid for the pan, put it on there. It'll help it heat up faster. And count out your nine lasagna noodles. I'm not sure it's even going to be half of a box. And cook your chicken. And you can do that any way you like. You can throw it in the oven. You can microwave it, although keep an eye on it because you don't want it to dry out. You can even take the chicken breasts and just throw them in a smaller pot of boiling water. Or you can boil your chicken breasts, fish them out, and then put your noodles in the pot. Doesn't really matter, but we need the chicken cooked before we start. Go take care of getting those things started. When your water's boiling, come on back to me. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The hardest part for me about cooking pasta is how long it takes for the water to come to a boil. Holy smoke, it just goes on and on. And I am telling you a truth here. I am still waiting for it to boil. And I've jumped ahead. And I know I told you not to do that. But if you've jumped ahead as well, <laughs> welcome. I think we're going to just go do some other stuff. I have a 10-ounce package of spinach. It's Kroger brand tender spinach, baby spinach, and it's 10 ounces. Now, here's the thing I just learned. Just because I thought it would be smart to have the right amount of spinach, I used my scale and I weighed out the five ounces. Now, your brain would tell you that should be half of the 10-ounce package. Guess what? It's not. It is not half of the 10-ounce package. It is probably two-thirds of the 10-ounce package, which means that what I have left in there now is a quarter to a third of the package Crazy. What are they weighing the plastic bag as well? I, I don't know. I mean, I used a food scale. It should be accurate. Anyhow, there's a little FYI. Get your five ounces of spinach, which is quite a big pile. And we're just chopping it up. We don't have to chop it tiny because it's going to shrink when we cook it. But you want it kind of coarsely chopped. If you've gotten a packaged spinach, don't worry about the stems. If you've gotten a bunch of spinach, you'll want to cut the longer parts and tougher parts of the stems off. So I'm just running my knife across it several times here, this big pile of spinach, and leaving the pieces are probably a couple inches. Inch square, two inches square. They're not very small. I think that's fine. The next thing is the chicken, and I am just going to hope that your chicken is now cooked because I'm going ahead, and you can always follow along later. Come back if you need more time. Your chicken breasts just go out on some sort of a cutting board, and then if you've never shredded chicken before, it's kind of a nuisance, but it's really easy. You get two forks, and you stick a piece of chicken with your fork, and then you jab the other fork in and pull with it so that pieces of the chicken shred off. You just do that with the whole chicken. And by the way, you could be using something that was already cooked. I forgot to tell you that. I am using a package of rotisserie chicken breast that I got from Costco. Some of their fabulous rotisserie chickens, they pull the breast off of and they package in two and a half pound plastic packages. And I pick those up and then I split them into half pound batches and freeze them to be used in things later. Chicken salad for sandwiches or in pasta recipes. I use that all the time in chicken fried rice. Oh, my water is finally boiling. So I'm going to stop shredding for a minute. So I'm going to take the lid off the pan and I'm going to pour a bunch of salt in the palm of my left hand. And when I say a bunch, it's probably at least a teaspoon and drop that in the boiling water. Some of that salt will get into the pasta itself, and that will help flavor the lasagna. 
and then put your noodles in. Now my package says they need to cook 12 to 14 minutes. So I'm putting all nine noodles in and in a minute I'll be able to push them down into the water because of course they stick up because they're hard. Get them all covered in the water. Wait until they soften enough to push them down. When a pasta box says that you need to cook them for a certain amount of time, in this case 12 to 14 minutes, it means you cook it for that long after the water comes back to a boil. You're actually boiling the pasta for that long. So you don't even want to start your timer until the water is boiling again because the pasta, of course, cools it down and may stop it boiling a little bit. It didn't do it too badly in this case. If you want to speed up bringing the pot back to a boil, you can always put the lid back on, but don't leave it that way too long. And then as soon as your water is boiling again, set your timer for whatever your package says. The minimum amount of time your package says, actually. And then we'll test it. And then go back to shredding your chicken for a minute. When your chicken's all shredded, we're going to make the sauce. Just work through whatever your chicken breasts are until they're all shredded. You know what shredded chicken looks like. Oh, it's also great in, by the way, Mexican food. In other words, buying some rotisserie chicken breast that's already been pulled off the bone, packaging it in small batches, and storing it in your freezer is a fabulous idea. There's so many ways to use it. I recommend you consider creating a stash. If you need to go away in order to get your chicken all shredded, I'm cool with that. Just come back to me when that's done. If your pasta is finished and beeps at you before you get back to me, that's okay too. Just take it off the heat, drain the noodles in a colander of some sort, and keep them handy. You know, actually, because I don't want to be caught in the middle of making the sauce when the noodles get to come out of the pot... I'm giving them a little stir, by the way, so they don't stick together too badly. I'm going to make the ricotta sauce now instead. And I'm going to suggest you do the same. So in a large bowl, put your 15 ounces of ricotta. And yes, you can find packages of ricotta that are only 15 ounces, but it's tricky. Most of them are twice that size, which again means that you'll have to find another lasagna or another way to use your ricotta as well as your noodles. It's all good. If you have a scale, you can weigh it. And if you don't, it's just under two cups. And then we're going to add to that an egg. And this is one instance where I really strongly recommend you crack it into a bowl first. Because if you crack it right into this ricotta, because the shell is white and the ricotta is white, if you lose shell in here, you're not going to be able to find it. Am I doing that? No. I'm just taking the risk. I just wanted you to know what the good thing was. The right thing. The best thing. The safest thing. Now we need the parsley. And I'm going to take you for a walk. Because we're going to go out into my yard. I'm growing parsley. I have to warn you, there's construction going on outside. They're working on the road. So sorry about any noise that happens. Yeah, there it is. So I am growing parsley, and I did not expect to be growing parsley. I planted some a year ago, and it didn't really do anything. And I, I mean, it was tiny. It wasn't really enough to use even. And I was disappointed because parsley is an annual plant. So I just snipped off a bunch of leaves from my plant. But let me finish my story. 
It's an annual, which means that it dies every year and you have to replant it. Well, I guess we had a really mild winter because mine did not die. It just kept growing. And now I have two monstrous parsley plants. They're easily four feet high. And while I like parsley, I don't use that quantity of parsley. Now I have all this parsley, so I'm glad when a recipe calls for fresh parsley because it's an opportunity to use it up. But I have also discovered that it's a really kind of a strong flavor. You don't think of it that way because it's served as a garnish so much of the time. So you figure, well, it probably doesn't have a lot of flavor. It just looks pretty. Well, this is Italian leaf parsley, and it has a lot of flavor. And I'm chopping up now what I got from the yard because it's going to go into the bowl with the ricotta and the egg. So this, you do want to chop pretty fine. Pull out any stems. And, you know, if you don't have fresh parsley or don't have access to fresh parsley, but you do have dried parsley, go ahead and use that. I would think probably a tablespoon of it, maybe a tablespoon and a half. Despite the fact that I will never in my life use that much parsley, it's still very rewarding to be able to walk out into my yard, pick something from my yard, and bring it in the house and put it in what I'm cooking. I just can't tell you. It's kind of a, a moment of glee. It's very fun. So now in the bowl, we got the ricotta, we got the egg, we've got the parsley, and we're going to add the quarter of a cup of Parmesan cheese. As you've heard me say before, we all hope it's not from a cardboard box. I grate mine in my food processor and then put it in my fridge in a plastic container for use whenever I need it. Just dump your quarter cup of Parmesan in with a ricotta. And then we're going to put two cups of mozzarella in. Now you remember, I told you to get three ready, but we're not going to do three right now. Part of that's going to go on the top. So add two cups of mozzarella. Check your timer on your pasta. Mine's down to two minutes. I knew it was the right thing to do this instead of the sauce because I would be in the middle and I'd be in a panic right now. Two cups of mozzarella is almost exactly an eight-ounce package. In fact, it says that on the outside. Look at that. I didn't have to use my measuring cup at all. It says right here, two cups. Next time I'll know. <laughs> so all of the mozzarella goes in with the other stuff we've been talking about and just stir it all up. Once it's all mixed up, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have to take my noodles off. You want it pretty well mixed up because this goes in as its own layer. So you want a little of everything in this bowl every time we put in a layer of this. And my pasta has one more minute and then I'm going to test it. What we're going to do, actually I'll get my tongs ready here. We're going to grab one out of there. It should be soft. Oh, yeah. This is way soft. This is way time. If you need more time, because this indicated I might need three more minutes, I certainly don't. You don't want the noodles to fall apart. It just makes them too hard to handle. And they will soak up some liquid as you're cooking them. So I'm taking mine off now. I have a pasta pot, so they're already in a colander, and they can just sit in this internal liner with a bunch of holes in it. If you don't have that, just dump it into your sink in a colander and leave them there to sit for a little bit. And the ricotta mixture looks pretty well combined to me. So we've already done two out of the three parts of this recipe. So that wasn't terrible, was it? Now comes the third part. 
You need a big saucepan. I'm going to use one here that is three quarts. Two and a half quarts probably is also adequate. Oh, you know what? Nope, before we start that, we have to chop up the onion. I'm glad I remembered that. And, you know, we also need to mince the garlic. I may just smash it in my garlic press. It would be faster. Okay, so chopping the onion, you cut off the part that isn't where the root was. And then peel off the skin, all the paper part. It's not helpful. I am going to cut off the root end as well, just to make this a little easier. I don't like to do that, because I like to save the root to plant it in the ground and grow a new onion. But today, it was just being too stubborn. So now we have here an onion with two flat sides. You take your knife, your sharp knife, your big chef's knife, and chop it down like you're making the marks on a clock. Spin the onion around as you go. Just cut all the way down to the cutting board as though you're making the marks on a clock. Keep your fingers out of the way, but kind of hold the back part of the onion that you've chopped up already. Kind of hold it together. It's tricky. Try to go all the way around. And then take your blade and parallel to your cutting board. Slice it most of the way through at least once. Mine is a sort of short squat onion, so I'm only going to get one slice. If you can get two, that's great. It's not important. It just kind of saves some chopping later. And then you're going to go down from top to bottom against the cutting board to chop up what's left of the onion. Just chop up the whole thing. And you want these kind of small. Lasagna shouldn't have noticeable pieces of onion in it. The onion just is part of the sauce and the flavor. Not chunky. All right, well... I think I'm going to call it good. They're they're not as small as maybe they should be. But my patience is done cutting onions. Now, get your olive oil and put a tablespoon of olive oil in the bottom of your saucepan. And get your four tablespoons of butter. That's the half stick. Get that ready to go because we'll be using it in a minute. And turn your pan on to medium high. And then get your flour ready as well. What we're doing is making what they call a roux. And if you've worked with me before, we've done this. We did this for the chicken pot pie recipe on my website. Oh my goodness, that's also an incredibly good recipe. If you haven't tried it, please do. I highly recommend it. And it teaches you not only how to make roux, but also how to use the same combination of ingredients to make pie crust. So the roux, R-O-U-X, is the basis of a lot of different sauces. The ingredients for a roux are always the same. as a fat, which in this case is going to be the oil and butter, a thickener, which is going to be the flour, and liquid, which is our chicken broth. Actually, this sauce is not terribly different from the pot pie. So you've got your oil heating, your butter ready, your flour ready. The other thing you need ready to go is your chicken broth. And have your heavy cream handy, standing by. You know, if you didn't want to use dairy on this, of course it's a little silly to say this now because there's always the mozzarella and the ricotta, but I have discovered that at least in the pot pie, using an alternative milk, especially the one I used, which is a pea milk, ripple pea milk, is terrific. Does a nice job. There's a blog on my website about different kinds of alternative milks. 
thecookalongpodcast.com. You can go there and read about different kind of milk, what their nutritional value is, what a cost comparison looks like, etc. Now, once your oil is hot, and you don't know this except that it might have a little shimmer to it, the surface is going to look kind of uneven. Then put your onions in there. Oh, I forgot to chop the garlic. All right, well, that decides. And I'm going to press it in there because it's just faster. Actually, maybe I can do it right now. These are going to cook until they get soft. So while they're cooking, we're going to have to stir them every once in a while. But I'm going to get my four cloves of garlic out. It's another one of those sort of indeterminate things because cloves of garlic come in all different sizes. But I also saw a thing once that I believe, which is... When in doubt about how much garlic to use, double what's in the recipe. So in other words, if you have tiny ones, use more garlic. If you have big ones, use what you got. If you're not sure which is which, use more garlic. Garlic in a lasagna is something that belongs. I have a garlic press, and if you don't know what that is, it's a thing that you put a clove of garlic in after you crack the skin off of it. I'm stirring my onions. You put your clove of garlic in there, and it just squishes it through some holes. And to do that, first we have to crack the skin off. And you could just mince it. I'm just doing this because I should have done it ahead of time, and I feel like I need to have it ready to go. And this is the fastest way to do that. Put your garlic on your table. Put the flat side of your knife against the garlic clove and press down until it cracks. And then when the skin is broken, it'll peel right off of there. You are welcome to also press your garlic with me. It's faster than mincing it. I think it provides more flavor because more garlic surface is exposed. Now I can hear my onions sizzling a little louder, so I'm going to stir them again. All right, back to the garlic. So I have ended up here with five fairly sizable cloves. I didn't mean to do that, but it's going to be fine. Stirring the onions again. Now I'm going to get a little bowl and squish this garlic into it and put the clove in, squish down with the squisher, and then I have to use usually the edge of a sharp knife to get the stuff that it extrudes off of the grate, that it extrudes it through. I have to do that five times, at least five times, and then I usually put the ends and bits through a second time. First, I'm going to stir the onions again. Yeah, they're not soft yet. So back to the garlic. Problem is with a garlic press, all that I've ever worked with, when they press down, some of the garlic goes up the sides of the press inside, so it isn't getting through the little grate at all. That's why you have to go back and do it a second time, unless you just don't care about those bigger pieces. Here's the last one, and I'm putting some of those ends and bits back in. All right. Now the part that didn't get smaller, I'm just not going to worry about because it was supposed to be chopped anyway. So I'm just throwing that in here as well. So now i got a bowl with my garlic ready to go. Back to the onions. They're starting to caramelize. I don't really want them to do that. It's probably because I was not stirring it. But I think it's safe now to move on to the next step. Get your paper off your butter if it's still wrapped. And throw it in that pot and let it melt. Here's an interesting tidbit. In a roux, the amount of fat and flour is usually going to be almost equal. So we're using a quarter of a cup of butter, which is four tablespoons, and we're going to use a third of a cup of all-purpose flour, which is five tablespoons. So very close. The difference in ratio will help determine how thick your sauce gets. Pie crust is the same ingredients. 
flour, fat, and water with a little salt thrown in. It's just that the proportions make something completely different. Once your butter is melted, stir in your flour. And just stir it up. You can use a whisk if you want. You just want it sort of smooth and golden. It won't take very long for that to happen. I'm just using a rubber spatula. It's pretty quick. And once you have that kind of goldenized, we're going to start to put in the chicken broth. Just a little at a time. You don't want to do it too fast, or you'll just have this liquid pool with lumpy stuff in it. So we're going to add a little at a time. So keep stirring as you pour in your chicken broth. We want to keep it moving, because otherwise it's going to clump up on you. And it will probably clump up on you. Don't panic. Don't worry about that. Because as you add more chicken broth, it'll unclump as you stir. And it should start to look kind of like gravy, which is another thing made from a roux. Again, same ingredients. Except then your fat is hopefully drippings from your meat. Whether that's a beef roast or a turkey or a pork roast, that's your fat. And then you put your flour in there, a little salt and pepper, and some water. And you just add water until you have the consistency that you want. So same kind of deal. It's a really handy thing to know that you can combine a fat and a flour and a water and come up with some marvelous, fancy things. Some of them very fancy, some of them so everyday that you can't live without them. Once that's kind of smoothed out, we're going to put in the cup of heavy cream. If you don't have heavy cream, this could be just milk. It could be, like I said, a vegetable-based milk. It could be a can of evaporated milk even. Not condensed, mind you, because that has a ton of sugar in it. But if the can says evaporated milk, you could use that. And that goes in to the same pot. And as you can imagine, this helps make it rich and creamy. And we want to stir that together and bring it to almost a boil. When it starts to bubble a little bit, we're going to turn it down and let it simmer for about five minutes. I'm going to leave you to do that. Just keep your eye on it. Don't leave it unstirred for too long or it will clump up again at the bottom. When it starts to look like it's about to boil, turn it down to low and leave it to simmer for about five minutes. I mean, don't leave it. Keep stirring it for about five minutes until it's thickened up and then come back. So this simmered sauce is kind of the consistency of a clam chowder, not one of those really thick ones that doesn't drip off the spoon. It would definitely drip off the spoon. But like a thick soup, like a cheese soup. By the way, this could be soup at this point. If we had cooked potatoes or shredded cheddar cheese to this, it would also become a soup. See? Handy thing. Handy thing. What we have in here to flavor it right now is just the chicken broth and the onions. If you don't want spices, you could stop now and not do the rest. But the first two at least you're going to want to do. This is where your one and a half teaspoons of salt go in and your half teaspoon of pepper. And it's probably best to use freshly ground pepper, but I don't want to work that hard. So I am just putting in my regular table pepper. And then stir that up again. The pepper's going to want to clump a little bit. Hopefully it'll unclump. And then your other spices, you've got your eighth of a teaspoon of nutmeg to put in. And if anything, keep that scant. It doesn't take very much. 
You don't want it to really be there in flavor. And if you have the Tuscan Sunset, your two teaspoons of that go in now. And if you don't have that, then all those other spices I mentioned, this is the point where they go in. And stir them in so they aren't clumped up. And then, once those are kind of sort of mixed around, put your garlic in, your chopped or squished garlic, and your chopped spinach. And the spinach is going to look like it isn't going to fit. And it isn't actually going to fit for a minute. And then it's going to wilt all down and go right down into that sauce and it's going to be fine. So if it looks like it's never going to fit in the pan, don't panic about that. Don't worry about it. It will. It will fit in the pan. Just going to take a couple of minutes of stirring. So obviously, once those things are in the pan, you need to stir it some more. And while we're stirring it, we can just take it off the heat and turn off the stove. We're done there. See, it's just soaking right into that sauce. It'll just disappear in a minute. Mm, and I can smell the garlic. All right, now we're probably going to need some sort of a ladle. That will be the easiest tool to use for the next part. And this part can get a little confusing because you can lose count. So we're just going to do one step at a time. And if you just stay with me, neither of us will lose count. Get your 9 by 13 inch pan ready close by. And let's put a ladle of the spinach sauce into the bottom of the pan. Actually, a ladle and a half. And just spread it around. All this is doing is keeping the pasta from sticking to the bottom. Just cover the bottom up with the sauce. Just a thin layer, right? It's like cooking spray. It's what we're using it as. We're using it as cooking spray. Now your noodles come in. And you want to put three noodles across the bottom of that pan, taking up most of the space. They should be about the right length of the pan. And if you put three of them across, they should kind of cover... Of course, they're all stuck together now. That's my problem. And it will happen. There's nothing we can do about it. Anyway, I started to say three noodles across is going to cover the space that's in the pan. All right. Now, your ricotta sauce goes on top of that. This is easier than some lasagnas because you don't have to divide it into thirds. Just eyeball about half of this ricotta and drop it in bunches on top of your noodles and various spots because we're going to spread it out. So distribute it so it doesn't take too much energy to spread it out. And then use the spoon to just kind of spread it evenly, as evenly as you can. This is not easy to do. Just sort of pat it into place all along the top of those noodles because you want a little ricotta mixture in every bite. Think of it that way. Be sure that every bite is going to have a little ricotta in it. It won't spread because your noodles are going to move around. But you can kind of pat it down so that every spot gets a taste. The next thing is you're going to use half of the chicken and just spread that over the top of the ricotta. See how easy this is? It's not hard work at all. Like I said, it's a lot of steps, but none of them independently are hard. Just kind of a pain. And lasagna is always a pain. It doesn't matter what kind of lasagna you're making. It's always a nuisance. And that's why you mostly don't get it at home very often. <laughs> at least not in my house. It's too much work. <laughs> okay, now we go back to the spinach sauce. We want to put about a third of this over the chicken. I'm going to say that's going to be two big ladles. But again, try to think about getting it everywhere where there's a space. 
Then we're going to add on top of that three more noodles, just like we did before. Just cover it up. Hide all the things we just did with noodles. Three across the length of the pan. I got a broken noodle here, so I have to piece it together. Well, where is the other piece? There we go. Best to put those broken ones if you have some in the middle so they don't affect the integrity of the structure of the lasagna. All right, and then on top of that goes the rest of the ricotta. Here's where you find out if you used half or not, <laughs> or not enough, or too much. This time, just sort of, again, spread it around and use up whatever's left. And try to get a layer on every bite. Because remember, this also has the mozzarella in it. So you are affecting the cheesy pull here at this point by how you distribute this. So you want to be sure there's some everywhere. Once you've got that kind of smashed out and covering the noodles, then we go back and we do the rest of the chicken. Spread that over the top. Well, it's now clear that I used too much chicken in the first layer because it's definitely more than I'm using now. Not that it is that big of a deal because, you know, it's all one thing and you cut it vertically, so it doesn't matter. Spread that around. Move pieces if you need to to make sure coverage is good. And then back to the sauce. This time, we have to use half of what's here. Shoot. Well, I tried three scant ladles full because the rest is going on top. You know, I'm going to use a tiny bit more because it's not really covering. I want to get a little sauce everywhere. Okay. That is close enough. Now the last three noodles go on top of that. If you have any spare pieces of pasta, tuck them in. And then on top of here goes whatever you got left of the sauce. I'm going to set my ladle aside. Go back to my rubber spatula for this because I want all of this. I want it all out of here and on the lasagna. Alrighty. The very top layer of this is your last cup of mozzarella. Because remember we said three cups and we only used two before in the filling. Try to moisten all the pieces of pasta so that nothing is sticking out that's going to get hard and dry in the oven. And when you're sure all your sauce is on there, I used my two cups of mozzarella, so I have to open another package that is also two cups. You could have shredded your own. I should have offered that opportunity because it's always better that way because it doesn't have any potato starch or anything on it to keep it from melting. I'm going to eyeball it this time. I know it's going to be half of this package. I also know that if I get a little too much, it will not make me sad. As you may have heard me say before, my family believes there is no such thing as too much cheese. I am sure I just used more like a cup and a half, cup and a third. <laughs> oh, I'm still going. Cup and a half. And that is that. Now, the cooking instructions. Hopefully, your oven is ready to go. It's all warmed up to 375. We're going to put a piece of foil over this dish. And if you want to... If you don't want the top of your lasagna to touch the aluminum foil, because it kind of likes to stick there, if you want to, you can put toothpicks down in here, stick them straight up, and it'll serve as a little roof maker, like the posts in a house to keep the foil from touching the casserole. I'm not going to do that. 
If it sticks, I'll peel it off. And be good crusty cheese. Cover up your casserole completely so that all that heat is going to be retained inside to melt all that cheese. And then you're going to bake it for 45 minutes. When 45 minutes are up, you're going to very carefully pull it out just long enough to get the foil off of it and then put it back in the oven and turn on your broiler just to kind of brown the top. Don't walk away from it at this point. This is a lesson from somebody of experience, okay? Do not walk away while it's broiling. You're going to watch it and just leave it in there long enough for it to kind of make the tops a little bit golden and maybe a tiny bit brown in places. And then you're going to take it out. And then comes the hardest part of this whole recipe, which is that you need to leave it to sit. You need to leave it to sit before you serve it for about 10 minutes. That will help everything kind of gel together so it doesn't just spill everywhere. It will help the flavors come together and it will make it more easy to cut and easier to eat without burning your mouth on it. That is today's recipe. If you like this recipe, please tell your friends about it. Please tell them about the Cook Along podcast so that they can go listen too, because I'm sure I have recipes that they will like. If you don't like this recipe, please check the website, thecookalongpodcast.com, and find something you might like better, because there are a lot of things to choose from in there with different kinds of flavors. And if you want to tell me how you feel about this recipe, the Cook Along Podcast on Facebook, leave me your comments, either in the feed or as a private message. I'd love to hear from you. And last but definitely not least... I would love to have you scope me out on Patreon, where you can contribute to the making of this podcast. And as a member of Benefit, get copies of the recipe that you can print out and read so that you don't have to listen all the way through the podcast the second time you want to make it. I do put the new recipes up every time I publish a podcast. So many ways to reach me. I hope you will reach out to me in one way or another. And until next time, happy cooking! If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Kofi, ko-fi.com slash the Cook Along podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.